0: This is a Hoff Studios podcast. I want to introduce everyone to my hot rabbi. Um, her name is Rabbi Rebecca Karen Eisenstadt. Before she was my rabbi, she was one of my best friends. We, um, I still am, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But you're also my rabbi, so there's that, you know? We actually had our own podcast for a bit. We wrote a musical together called Rachel and Leah about sisters, where we like became sisters and then had a falling out and didn't talk for how long was that? Um, at least four years. No longer. Um, Seven? That's so painful. Yeah, I think that was seven. We took a seven-year hiatus. Seven is a holy number in Judaism, so that made sense. Right. Yeah. But too long. It was too long. And we've made up for it. Uh, We've made up for it. Recently, um, the rabbi taught me how to read from the Torah for the first time at the age of 37. She sat me down and um, taught me how to chant uh, and read, and we... It was my it was my Torah portion for my Bat Mitzvah that you know never was when I was twelve because I just wasn't raised in um, an environment where that would be possible. But we made that right together, and it was an extremely fulfilling experience. Um, Anyway, I've talked a lot. Rabbi Rebecca Karen, welcome. Thank you,
1: Daniela. Thank you for having me. Um, Thank you for having my little dog here. Um, He joins me at a lot of services, so sometimes I joke and call him a service dog. This is Scout. Um, He'll most likely be completely quiet the entire Mm time. Um, But maybe not. Maybe not. Um, he's um, a great friend of your families as well and your dogs. Um, <laughs> and he is like my child. So while I'm not a mom, I am a dog mom mm-hmm. like you. And we bond on that. Um,
0: my, and like Laura. And Laura. I actually, when I saw Scout, I was like, oh, is Nathan here? And she's like, who's Nathan? He is. <laughs> he is? Yeah.
2: He's such a great dog. He's 15. So I would definitely be like, it's interesting because I I like thinking about it. If he was like a person, how I Mm. would be like ready to get him out of the house. It would be ready to go. So,
0: oh Mm. my gosh, I, um, I'm so jealous that you guys can like bring your dogs around because Bernardo would like he just with the accidents and the bar he's just he's on medication i just want to be clear like i have tried i have i i have tried he's on prozac nothing nothing's going to help this guy but well doggy daycare I,
1: I think when you hear a lot of prayer and you hear a lot of torah which mm. is the five books of moses i think <laughs> it can really change <laughs> i have yeah. to eat the microphone yes you it's delicious Danielle, this is always this is definitely like your domain and I'm so like thrilled to be a part of it. I've I I've definitely um I've acted on stage with you, I've appeared in even like film projects, but never the voiceover, which I, know. I, I love watch turning on the TV and being like, Danielle, is that you on the commercial and texting you? And you're like, How did you even know?
0: I know it's weird that you're the you and my father are the two people who will be like I just heard this commercial. Are you on Windex now? Yeah. You know, I'd be mean? like, yeah. I, I was telling Laura that I never mentioned, I just never mentioned that that's like how I make money. And, and it's also like, I really enjoy it. But probably because no one knows except for you and my dad. Oh, uh, listen, if it's, if it's on and I hear it, I know it's you. I know. And for all those seven years that we weren't talking, you were saying that like you would hear my voice on the nook and you'd be like. <gasps> and Colgate for sure oh yeah colgate was a long that was a long gig yeah um and i'm sorry I and it was you. like a really national
1: commercial yeah. so i could not escape you You could um but by the you way you watch that much tv um i watch a lot of news oh. and i put it on in the background oh. and also um i never sleep i consume tons of information oh. and also i have a real knack for reality tv which is perhaps why Um, A a great segue to even say, (laughs) um, it's probably one of the reasons why um, I was so amenable to perhaps work on my own reality docuseries about being a young female rabbi, Um, partially because I've watched the genre of um, reality TV really change, Mm. and it's no longer either like corny game shows like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire or... um, sort of like travesty shows although you can find those on certain networks um I'm not going to say which ones because I may still want to get like purchased by them but um uh so a um a cousin of mine reached out at the beginning of the pandemic and said um I am uh thinking about doing a um a documentary about how people are worshiping during the pandemic. Now that um, now that all of these places of worship are closed and people need spirituality more than ever. And I had just officially been ordained. I had been in rabbinical school for a while even backtracking though, I had been an actress for a while, but always since the Monday after my bat mitzvah, I had been a Jewish educator. I had been Mm -hmm. teaching people Torah. I had been teaching people Hebrew. I had been teaching uh, the religion in some capacity and been on the faculty of many synagogues in New York city and where I'm from in Maryland. And so uh, my cousin said, can I interview you for this documentary? And as he started to interview me in these zoom interviews, um, he was like, Oh, never mind. You're really funny. Let's just do something <laughs> about you. <laughs> and also, uh, he happened to tap into some of my like extravagant stories, both about New York City lifestyle, single life as a single person, dating lifestyle, what it's like to be a millennial in New York, especially in the gig economy, um, the types of families that I service as an on-demand rabbi, which is something very different from institutional Judaism, where you just sort of like show up at your place of worship, you become a member, and then you basically... Um, you're one of the flock, whereas mm. for me, um, I work in a very bespoke way, almost like boutique religion or um, or like personal training, personal chef. Um, so it's a much different experience, at least with my clientele, and a lot of New Yorkers are really looking for that. Anyway, so my cousin started interviewing me, and then he spliced together um, a sizzle reel, and then he shopped it around to a bunch of. Production companies and eventually Reese Witherspoon's company, which we always had our eyes set on because I love their content. Um, I love the mission of working in a female focused um production company uh so hello sunshine option my show and mm. uh, to work with um myself and my cousin to develop the show further and actually as you know daniela daniela is part of the pilot and you're um, the one
0: who told me i was a, a parenting expert yep. i was like i didn't know that you of I, course you are uh, mom curious yeah but like i'm curious about uh, stuff i I didn't know that I was I was the expert in any capacity until I mean I, I can like I guess I am I am. I don't know. Anyway, I sort of am. You are. and You, you are. Not only
1: you are, but you, um, we were just saying that um, another uh, young, uh, really interesting person in your production company here is like a sponge, but you are a sponge. And one of the best parts about watching you on stage is you are the most present person in the world and you can play like table tennis in any moment and immediately receive and um, and and throw back uh, your serve in the in the right way. And you do that with all your experts on all your episodes. I mean, I haven't watched like all I think there are 47 or like 48.
0: There, we're, we're yeah, we're nearing our year. Our, our year anniversary.
1: Right. But you do that with everyone. And it's one of the joys of performing with you. It's one of the joys of being your friend. Thanks. It's probably your husband's joy of being <laughs> your partner. Um, certainly your kid's joy of being, um, you know, parent-child relationship. And of course, you're an expert because you've played this, you know, intellectual table tennis with all these other experts. And so you've become one yourself and you have written things. You have posted things. <laughs> you have, Yeah, yeah. Aww. We could be each other's PR. Um, so cancel
0: your PR agency. Yeah. I'll do it for free. Thanks, I'll do it for lattes. Thanks, buddy. Um, well, I I, I have. So so um, Becky called me um, one day and was like, um, Hello Sunshine really wants to meet you. Um, I told them you were like a Phoebe Buffay (laughs) um, parenting expert um, meets like kind of woo woo juju. And I was like, wow, I feel so seen. And also they're like, how's the Jew who eats shrimp? Right. That and, and bacon,
1: delish. Right. So they know you as the one who knew the most, oh, right. but who eats shrimp.
0: Yeah. They, uh, they
1: found that very interesting.
0: You know what, guys? It turns out you think you're walking around anonymous through the world and people are listening. Like, I'm not like there are no secrets here. Right. Yeah. yeah no, absolutely. Yeah, I know the like, most and I do the least.
1: Well, I don't know Ingenuity. do the least, but it, at least, you know... What you said really had impact
0: because you can be knowledgeable and still make choices. Right what, it, within Judaism, for sure, because it's an ethno religion, um, and the cultural piece, the you know the the connection to the land. There are so many different facets to being Jewish, for sure. The religious piece is significant, but it's not the whole thing.
1: Yeah, I always tell my students that um, there's no such thing as Jewish jail. And if there were, then we'd all be in it. Because in some capacity, then, uh, I mean, look at us. Right now, I'm wearing a leopard uh, <laughs> pantsuit. She looks great. Um, maybe it's Tiger. Um um <laughs> uh, right and like you know my mother currently hates that my instagram handle is my hot rabbi she thinks it's too salacious and um like this week when there was some like instagram outage my mom was like see that's why it's god yeah. it's god it's it. you should really consider changing it now now mm. that instagram has punished you um <laughs> and i was like mom don't kick me when i'm down and also um you know, it, that's the point, right? Like no matter what, I can be a rabbi and I can still be doing things in my own way. And I can be doing things pro- probably a little bit um, uh I maybe not according to the absolute law, but what feels authentic to me. Mm. And
0: that's really Love the, that. Wait, can you just, I, I, I know you have more to say, but I just love that. Like what's authentic to you is holy, is sacred. And, and that's
1: really the modern way of being Jewish. And it's really our privilege as American Jews mm. or um, Jews even outside of Israel um, and women that we get to decide what kind of Jews we want to be. You know, you can only decide once you know what decisions you have. Right. And so somebody who's been through as much as education as myself and you, Daniela, yeah. we both went to very strict Jewish schooling um, in our upbringing and we have observant families. Um, and so then we can make our choices with joy and love and no, no anger at the past. Just okay, I know what I want to do.
0: Yeah, and totally. I know
1: how I want to dress. I know how I want to live my life. And by the way, there are going to be some weeks when you decide certain things I- I- as a part of your practice, just
0: like you may decide this week, I'm going to try and not eat dairy. We're talking about how, you know, I have this experience all the time when I have like dear, dear friends coming on to the show. It's like, I know you're inside out. It's like, right. I know everything about right. these people. And, you know, we talked about it with the Caitlin Greer episode where she she had sort of like texted me, you know, like, these are my boundaries, which I loved. So, you know, it's like it's always it's always a special experience to have a best friend come on. And it's like, well, how vulnerable are we going to get? Right. And and so we had this like pre-conversation.
1: Yeah, we did. Um, two nights ago and we said it was going to be like 10 minutes on the phone. And it was like an hour and four minutes. Um, uh, and you were like muting me as you were like brushing your teeth and getting ready for bed. And I was just like sitting eating steamed broccoli. Um, so
0: over oh, sure. Um So you do eat a lot of steamed broccoli. Yeah. I mean, you don't eat that much, but if you're going to eat, it's going to be steamed broccoli. Yeah. So. To, to that effect, I was really thinking
1: about it, Daniela. And, um, and so I take back everything we said in that hour, wow. because we not, maybe not everything, but almost everything. Okay, great. you take um, the lead, I think you know what I mean by the, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. you do. Yeah, um, because I really think the secret sauce in what I do and why I'm successful is that I allow myself to be vulnerable in a way that most rabbis, most clergy members do not allow themselves to be vulnerable. My clients have my phone number. My students, which I call judents, they FaceTime me
2: mm.
1: from a restaurant. If they have like a Jewish question, as opposed to waiting for a meeting or even sending me an email, they feel that close to me. Mm. As I was teaching yesterday the Torah portion of the week. Every week we change Torah portions so that we can get through the entire um, five books of Moses within one yearly cycle. And this week's portion is about um, the iconic first Jew, the Hebrew Abraham and his wife, Sarah, and how Abraham finally has a son when he's 100 years old and Sarah when she's 90. And my student says to me, oh, Becky, it's okay. See, you have time. (sighs) Oh. And this child who's 11 connected to that story, Mm. but also to me Mm. and understood the vulnerability of, Mm. of me as her teacher that, We've had those conversations that, you know, I really want to get married and I believe in God and I really hope that one day I will be a mom and mm. one day I'll have children, but I don't yet. Mm. And when we were talking about the story about Abraham and Sarah's longing for children, mm. and so she interpreted that story, I know, scatter water. This is my. Current child, but she interpreted that story to say there's still hope,
0: there's still faith. Don't lose faith. I mean, if that's not Torah, I don't know what is. You know that like that a that a young child can connect like this ancient, ancient story to the longings of a person she cares about right next to her. That's so special. And the connections of faith and
1: belief mm. and not to lose it. Mm. And, um, it w- it was a really special moment for me. Um, and one that I of course recognized was due to the fact that I'm willing to share of myself mm. and that I sit on the floor with my clients that I am available at all all times of day, whenever they need me, however they need me, whether it is to ask me if an outfit looks good, (laughs) right? Like sometimes I joke with like personal assistants or whatever, because I'm in this sort of like strange um, echelon. Right. In New York, um, for all you listeners who don't know in New York, a lot of people have personal assistants or executive assistants who sometimes help manage clients and, um, uh, because I'm this concierge' rabbi, I work with um, uh, some of uh, some very elite families in New York. so sometimes I get um, messages, you know am I can I wear this to a dinner? Do you think it's modest enough? <laughs> and you know, who's texting pictures of dresses to their rabbi it's it's something really special yeah and likewise, you know when I go through a breakup, I'll share of, my, mm. of myself, of my heartache. I'll share what prayers are getting me through it. I'll share that I need to come for Shabbat dinner because I need extra community. Mm. I'll share if my parents are sick and I need extra prayers or if somebody in my family otherwise is going through a tough time. So much of religion these days is like sitting in any sort of performance. You know, if you think about, especially since you're an actress, Daniela, Mm -hmm. and you just did this um, beautiful play, but you did it in the round, right? There were two sides. Two sides. Okay, so, but most plays that you do is classic proscenium stage seating, which Mm -hmm. basically means the stage is over here and the seats are um, in front of the stage and every, like most Broadway theaters, except for one Broadway theater, Circle in the Square, and everybody's just sitting very passively. And the clergy is just performing God for you. Mm. And it makes people feel like, okay, I go to this place of worship, whether it's, um, and and these are, of course, Judeo-Christian classic places of worship. I'm not speaking about um, more Eastern um, uh, places of worship, Um, but this is, you know, pretty common in America and especially in American Jewry. The majority of American Jews sit passively when Mm. they worship, and so to be able to, to instead be active in some way and not just have people watch me do, but instead engage them yeah, um, is, is sort of a, a difference in my offering.
0: Yeah. And in your art, I mean, you were trained as a, an actress and, and as a producer at, at NYU, I, I went to school with you. Becky likes to remind me that I'm a year older than her. And I just like to say, yeah, I'm a year older than you. Yeah. <laughs> um I wasn't going to bring it up but you did. So I mean it's, yeah, so it's fine. It happened. So, um I remember going into that pitch um shoot with you and and you were so vulnerable. You would like list it out all the all the um uh the characteristics, qualities, yeah. the qualities you want to find in a man and how you keep it in your Right. Uh and you you cried and it was so beautiful because I do think like So much of um, what we're lacking in the world is certainly community, as you talk about, but really knowing each other, really knowing that, like, we don't need to be perfect to be a rabbi. We don't have to have have it all together to be a rabbi. We can have longings just like everybody else just like Sarah in the Bible to be a spiritually connected person to be a mentor right right like i can for me right like i can mess up with my kids right and i can you know at, at home or in in my professional life i can mess up and still sit here in my seat as this podcast host and still be a mentor of sorts and still extend my hand and say i'm just human right. i'm just human i cry just like you i like you know i i i, I rage just like you i all of that
1: yeah I, I it's really one of the gifts of judaism is to remind us that we fail that we err all the time and that's why we get a yom kippur built in every single year to really atone um communally for Every possible sin we could have done, because as a community, everybody's done something to aggregate to all of those confessions. Um, and at the end of our lives, we're also um encouraged to either have clergy, make a confession for us or do it ourselves because we're going to be guilty of things that's built into Judaism. And in fact, even in our daily worship, we say, sorry, it's in our daily Amidah and the 18 blessings of Shmonasra. Um, it's, It's this sort of like misconception of like purity, that I'm not sure exactly where it came from. We can save that for another, you know, follow-up podcast mm-hmm. of why I mean, all religious leaders must be perfect. Um,
0: well, we just have such an, a, a discomfort with mess. I mean, I think it's partially why for so long. Men have been leaders. Like, they're so predictable. Every day, 24 hours a day, like, they restart the cycle. Where women, you know, restart the cycle every moon. We bleed. That that was a problem for a long time for, um, you know, I was raised um, modern Orthodox. I, part of the reason why I wasn't allowed to touch the Torah was because I bleed. That's problematic. Because it's messy. Because it's yucky. I mean, why do I bleed? Because I... I have the potential to bear life, to literally populate this earth. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, I think there are a lot of reasons why we, as a collective, have just been so sterilized, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But to get messy... If, mm. if, I, if I may, one of the things that actually you took off the table that we're going to put back on the table in that conversation was I okay. was like, we have this divide. We have this bizarro divide between women who have children and women who don't yet or might not be interested or might not be able to. And it's just like we're really so – and it's something that, like, you know, I can open up with you about because you're my dearest friend. You know my heart is, like, so wide open. I really find that, like – We're, we're, we are cutting ourselves off from our collective power by, by being sort of, well, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. And maybe it is because I have kids. So I'm, I'm going to pass it to you and, and to Laura, who's, who's also, you know, team, team woman with no kids. It's like, what, what's happening here that we can't, yeah, that we can't really talk about it. Well.
1: Okay, so um, I'm just getting to know Laura, so I'm not going to speak for Laura. <laughs> I'm going to speak for myself and my experience.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and so, Laura, uh, you're... Don't worry, I'll chime in. Okay, so... Well,
0: Ashley's here, too, so... Okay. So you, um, you're in good company. Ashley's
2: so, too young to... You're too young to even have to worry about this stuff. Um,
0: so, or care, or care.
1: So here, here's how I'll address it. So people... Inertia is the strongest force. People are resistant to change. And that includes change in, in any sort of dynamic. And so when one person changes and another person doesn't in a friendship dynamic, it makes the other person feel left behind. Cu- um, compound that with many people in their lives making that life cycle, life change, and that person not having had that life change, meaning getting married and having children. Not only are they resistant to their friends around them changing because people just don't like change, but it becomes a judgment that people inflict on themselves. It's It becomes a point of, um hey. com- pain and confidence where they feel what is it about me that I'm unable to keep up with some of my peers mm. in what feels like a social um, a social timing and and train, a, a locomotive that people seem on board and I can't get on board in the same timing. Um, and uh, I've watched several of my friends get on that that board get on on all aboard right (laughs) and it's like oh crud i don't have the ticket and there are no single seats and even when people think there are single seats on the train there aren't single seats because everything is about kids activities and the new people who are on the train that you meet and it's okay that you're meeting on that train that you're all aboard you just got Mm -hmm. on there are new couples and there are new kids and there are new and your your life is changing. Mm. Meaning and you, I mean people in your shoes of having children, young children, now joining, you know, taught gymnastics and taught ballet, right? And Saturday mornings are no longer I mean I you know, I, I just went to synagogue, but like, I hear people go to brunch. I hear brunch is a thing, Mm -hmm. you know? So like Saturday mornings are no girl, no longer about girlfriends brunches or even double dates, but he's hot from the lights. He's wearing a fur coat. Um, or he just wants to snuggle with you. Um, so, so I think that that is part of the source of pain. Um, it's not an intentional exclusion, but it feels exclusionary, and also we can't help but judge ourselves. Why, why, weren't, why didn't we get a ticket? Why didn't anybody ask us to get on board with them?
0: Right.
1: I see Laura nodding. I don't know if she's on camera. No, I'm she's on mic ca- though. I'm not Thomas. on camera,
2: I am on mic. Um, I definitely think that that is um, ha- most people's uh, experience, like mm-hmm. on our side of the fence. Mm-hmm. Mine is slightly different. Oh, I I've the fence. Been defense i've been uh i've been with my husband since i am 18 years old people very much expect me to have children we get along famously we run this company together Mm. i don't have any interest and i have seen many people do a bad job at parenting because they felt like it was what they were supposed to do and not what they truly wanted to do I only do things that are a full-body yes, and until this is a full-body yes, and if it never is, then it never is. I also am insanely passionate about my work and my career, and the level of success that I am trying to reach is – I'm in a women in business group, and someone said it, so I'm going to say it. She goes, the type of success that we're trying for is – the top one percent it's nobody you know her husband is a touring world famous touring musician and she's like this people aren't doing this this is not what people are doing I want to go work with Elton John most people are not working with Elton John that's right so that has to take priority I don't even have the space in my body in my mind in my heart in your in your calendar so I'll I'll, I'll just um I'll just counter it with um
1: yesterday I was talking with um my household engineer some people would call them a housekeeper um engineer yeah, she engineers my organization, my cleaning. <sighs> Can I have her number? I, I have a really hard time finding okay. someone she, she like an expensive. engineer. Okay, like, if she's you know,
0: an engineer. Yeah,
1: no, I mean she is just a really amazing housekeeper and lovely lady. Well, I'm, but um, I'm just, I just think she deserves the title. She de- she calls uh, herself a housekeeper. Anyways,
0: I I, I would so, like her number. Okay,
1: so um, <laughs> she's wonderful, and we were talking about um, somebody that we both know and she said, why does she only have one child? And I said, I think it's partially a money issue. And she said, Becky, where I'm from, nobody has money and everybody has so many babies. And in the same way, people can have careers and they can have babies and they can make it work. Right. It's just your choice. Right. It's your choice, your body, your choice. You do what you want. 100%. And uh, I'm a firm believer of that. I'm a believer of men. They choose to have children whenever they want. I I was matched. (laughs) Let me tell you this story really quick. Okay, so I get a call from a matchmaker who knows me from shul, who knows me from synagogue. I don't think I told you this story. Um, She knows me since I was like 20. I was a professional Torah reader. So I used to get a, a $500 for reading Torah once a week when there weren't enough Torah readers, uh, like there was no bat mitzvah or bar mitzvah at the synagogue. Anyway, so she met me, she had me like on her roster. She calls me and she's like, I have the perfect guy for you. Will you meet him? And I was like, okay, a matchmaker, like this sounds too good to be true. She's like, you know, she's a millionaire matchmaker type, da, 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 da. Okay, whatever. Great. Set up the date he texts me before and he's like, I'm the guy in the blue sweater and I like show up and I'm like, where's the guy in the blue sweater? The guy? Like I see a very old man in the blue sweater and I'm like, That's no. I'm like, what? Oh no. How old is he? He was almost 60. Oh no. Now that is, <laughs> no. um, that is not appropriate and I had told her before, like, I just want to make sure whoever this is, it's age appropriate, because I'm in my 30s. Like, I'm a rabbi. I don't need anybody's money. Like, let's not get it twisted. That's not a good look. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not going out with somebody for money. I'm not going out with some... I. I I support myself. Um, thank you very much. Some people like older
0: men. I just want to put that yeah, that's, out there. That's a whole other story. Anyways. I don't know who those he are.
1: He happens to tell me that he's frozen his sperm, so not to worry, <gasps> that we could have children. Like, he tells me all these things. By the way, I really tried to split the bill. He would not let me split it, because I knew I had no intention of seeing him again. Um, he wouldn't let me split it. But I didn't want him to think I was, you know, in- I ordered an expensive tequila. I fully expected to pay for it, you know. But. Anyways, uh, the point is, this man chose to not have children until Mm. he's 60, right? That was his choice. Fine. Good for him. And Laura, if you choose to not have children ever, if you choose to have children when you're 40 and you somehow, you know, get it done, good for you. You know, nobody or less people are going to comment on his choice. And I bet less people commented on his choice at 27 about whether or not he was having children. <sighs> and so it's total, I just kept thinking to myself, like, what? I have so much pressure and I'm in my thirties and this guy is 60 and I'm the chick he gets? I'm like, so
0: glad that you had that experience because it was such, what a what a eye-opening experience where you're like, oh my gosh. There's this book called um, Gabor Mate, um Wrote a book called The Myth of Normal. Like, oh, so it's normal for him to not have a kid until he's 60 and, you know, like wait, wait to be a sugar daddy or whatever he, whatever was happening there. Mm. And somehow it's normal to pressure yeah. you to pr- get out of my, get out of my womb. Yeah. And
1: also, like, you know, Uh, it's such a weird place. And and I said to the matchmaker, I also said, you know, I don't don't even know what pocket of our conversation this fits in. But I said, if you find a woman who is my age, who wants this person, she wants him for the wrong reasons. Mm. Mm. He should not want somebody my age Mm. or he's getting her for those reasons. Mm. And nobody wants that. Hmm. And she was like, okay, so just let me know if you have any friends who you think would be good for him. Like she, it just went right over her head. And I was like, I have a client who's 50 and divorced that yeah. I could think of. And she was like, not interested. Mm. And I was like, hey, I, I see you. I see See you. Oh, wow. Yeah. And like, meanwhile, I know all these wonderful women who married somebody, they had children with them and it worked for the time that they had children. And, you know, I believe that sometimes you can be in love for a purpose, like having children, sure. and then people fall out of love or the reasons they fell in love no longer apply because of circumstance that are really real. And so- you know, relationships come to an end, but then what should people be alone once they're in their late forties and fifties? No, of course not. And while age is just a number, things are appropriate. Yeah. And, and I, you know, like if we want the respect as women, if we want you know, if we demand equal rights and if we demand equality, we also have to like answer to morality and values too. We can't be talking out of two sides of our mouths. And as somebody who stands obviously for values because uh I am teaching the Bible, right? I am like going from house to house teaching morals and ethics. Like I could barely even let somebody pay for my you know dinner and feel as though I was using them for you know. So Anyways, just like part of the types of things you might or may or may not see on a series that would follow me and the work I do and Daniela and um, and uh, the complication of being a young single girl in New York who happens to also have this like complicated part of her being a rabbi.
0: The rabbi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that the the imp- impulse to create this show, sort of came to you in 2018. Yeah, so um,
1: well, really, I was I was signing up um, for s- some parts of my uh, rabbinical schooling, um, and I was sitting inside a very liberal synagogue in New York on October 27th, um, 2018, and that's when. Uh, the tree of life synagogue massacre happened. And I just remember, I, Jews don't typically look at their phones, um, uh, while they're in, um, a religious service. And so when I got out of the synagogue, I had all these alerts popping up all over the place and that there had been a shooting. And also my mom, um, Sorry, my voice is getting a little shaky. I'm just remembering the day. Um, My mom is like crazy about the news because my mom was a journalist. Um, My mom is in general a little alarmist. Mm -hmm. So um, my mom wanted to know where I was. Was I okay? She knew I had a bat mitzvah that day and that I was in that very liberal synagogue. And the Tree of Life synagogue was targeted specifically because it was also a liberal synagogue. And... um, To know, yes, of course, that happened in Pittsburgh, but it could have very well happened in any synagogue with not a lot of security. And the synagogue I had happened to be in didn't have security, any security outside, which is now not the case, but it it was then. Um, And
0: it's also pretty rare.
1: I mean, synagogues usually have security. Jewish preschools have security. But not even... The Tree of Life massacre was something that really... um, change things, but so uh, the next Sunday, I, I I was really in shock that whole day because I had had this amazing bat mitzvah experience in the morning, this massacre in the evening, and then I had to go to the party that night. And I felt very strange about the party. And then I had had a terrible date after the party that started at 11 o'clock and the guy lived, no joke, in a tenement. and. I showed up at the date at 11 at a bar around the corner from his tenement and the whole time I was wearing a jumpsuit because I had been at the party before. This is a very quick story. And um, I'd been in a jumpsuit because I, it was sequins, whatever, because I'd been in this party and I really had to pee and I was doing the like pee dance where like and he was like, oh, why don't you need to pee. Why don't you just go pee? And I was like, we're at a dive bar in the East Village. Like, I can't pee here. I have to take off all my clothes. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't, I'm in a jumpsuit. He was like, well, do you want to go to my apartment? It's like around the corner. And I was like, okay, you work in tech. We're in the Lower East Side. Chances are it's like one of the nice buildings. Fine, I really have to pee. Like, I haven't peed the whole day. This has been a hard day. I don't even know you, but I'm going to your apartment. We show up to this place. It's disgusting. And he's like, sixth floor. I'm like walk up oh crud so like start walking up the stairs I'm wearing like five inch heels I have to pee I'm carrying like seven pounds of pee with me and (laughs) I get to his apartment, he's like showing me his kitchen. He's showing, I'm like, so where's the bathroom? He was like, in the hallway. I'm like, what do you mean in the hallway? He was like, yeah, there's one for the floor. I was like, you live in a tenement? And I was like, I can't. Scroll, Uber. And I took an Uber and I left and I went home. So like, it was the worst day. And then my first lesson on Sunday morning, October 28th, was for a kid whose bar mitzvah was the next week. And he told me he wanted to cancel his bar mitzvah because he was too afraid that a gunman would come and that he couldn't risk his whole family dying for his bar mitzvah. And instead of practicing like our last practice for his bar mitzvah, instead I had to reassure him that you, you don't have to run and be afraid. And in fact, we're gonna do everything to protect you and the safest place to ever be a synagogue for a Jew and be proud of who you are and we're not martyrs but if you were to ever ever pass away with god's name on your tongue don't worry you are going straight to heaven don't you worry my friend and you will have the best time in heaven and you'll be with all your family too past and present and i mean that sweet boy obviously he had his gorgeous bar mitzvah the next week and it was great but That moment of seeing that, like, his bar mitzvah hung in the balance because of anti-Semitism, that somebody was going to scare an entire child from taking his place among his people. I knew, yes, I have to finish becoming a being being a rabbi. And there I had my own conflicts about it. I wasn't even convinced as a female that I even should be a rabbi. Growing up, I didn't have any female um, rabbis
2: as examples. And. Just to get clarity for um, non-Jewish listeners, is it allowed? Because I, I'm Catholic, it is not allowed. We don't... It, oh, still it's not no, allowed. which no. my mom thinks is like a reason that things are so messed up. So it, 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 there are many sects, I hate that word,
1: sects of Judaism. And so being a female rabbi is totally allowed in the Reconstructionist, Reform, and Conservative movements... In the Orthodox movement, it's up for debate. The Orthodox movement has recently started one program in New York where they say they ordain female rabbis, but those rabbis are not really able to do much. Um, And those female rabbis are not accepted in Israel. Female rabbis are not accepted in Israel unless it's by the reform movement.
0: But you were saying that that it was that experience that led you to finishing your um, rabbinical training. Right. And, um,
1: and, and, and so when my, when my cousin approached me and basically was like, so we're going to do a show on you. And, you know, I didn't realize, um, come here, sweetie. I didn't realize how, um, in involved doing this, like reality docu series was going to be. I basically just thought, oh, it was just going to, I was just going to be like the next big rabbi. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm and when i realized it was work or i realized you know eventually some of this was going to actually really expose a big part of me and my life i said to my cousin i don't need to get famous i don't want i don't care what i want out of this is for people to have a clearer perception of the way modern jewish people and jewish women practice and i want good news for the jews we have enough bad news for the Jews, right? Obviously this fall in 2022, we've had a lot of issues with um, increased anti-Semitism and it's just been going up and up and up. I mean, every single year the FBI um, posts that are um, we are the largest religious group that is the subject of hate crimes. And we are still only 2% of the United States population, 0.5% of the world population. Um, I just want to help be part of the solution to help show that Jewish people are great. And Mm -hmm. we're not the best. We're not superior. I believe we are excellent.
0: Not the best, not the worst people. Like how we said in the very beginning of this conversation, you know, like we don't have to be perfect to be worthy. We don't have to be perfect. No one is. And and everyone, no matter what you are,
1: no matter what you are, you are worthy of life. You are worthy of freedom. You are worthy of respect. So my dog is panting. <laughs> um, I have to go juter. Yeah. Basically, it's like, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm going to be juttering until 945 tonight. Um, I did bring sweatpants so I could change.
0: Oh, well, you look great and, and comfy
1: um, at
0: the same time.
1: Yeah, but... Uh, it's uh, oh, very exciting, um, and I have dog food in my bag because that's like the life of a single dog mom, Juter to the stars. I have <laughs> basically my my entire uh, life um, in my bag, and um, so I do have to go get Jewish somewhere else,
0: Daniela. Yeah, well, I just have to say that I am grateful for you. I'm grateful for um, for your vulnerability. And for your life's work and for your friendship and for your personhood. I'm so truly grateful for how well behaved your dog is.
1: I mean, he probably is as hot as us. I mean, you're wearing like vinyl, I'm wearing silk I feel slash great. poly. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm schwitzing. Well, you've been you've been
1: burying your soul. So I appreciate it. I feel like I totally monopolize the time. That might be the point of these things. That's but- exactly the point. Okay. Yeah. Um, I also have my blood taken today. So this is like, (laughs) this is definitely a lot. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Daniela. And
0: uh, I love you. Oh, where can we get, where can we um, keep in touch with you, my hot rabbi? Um,
1: Well, you can hopefully find me on some streaming network pretty soon. So like, you know. Oh, okay. You can find Scout on at Bark MitzvaTutor on Instagram. You can find me at hot rabbi. Oh, excuse me. You can find me at my hot rabbi. You can um, find me on my website rebeccacaren dot com and there's like a slew of links there. Um, and hopefully I'll be releasing a book pretty soon about what it's like being a rabbi to some of New York's um, very exclusive private families and um, having the cutest little dog along the way. Thanks, Daniela,
0: for having me. Thank you for coming on. I love you so much. love you too. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Mom Curious Podcast. My name is Daniela Rabani. I am your host. And I would love to continue this conversation at Daniela Rabani on Instagram. And if you'd be so kind to rate and review, share this podcast, I would be just really grateful. Catch you next time, every Tuesday, on the Mom Curious Podcast. Produced by Hoff Studios. You can find them at Hoff Studios on Instagram as well. All right, have a great day.